Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a word that is familiar to uh, most today. Perhaps uh, it's getting to the point where almost everybody knows, uh, can recognize the word yoga, but most recognize it uh, in context of a system of physical exercise. It's actually a much broader system with a philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious living in our world today. The word yoga means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. It's knowing our true spiritual nature and living in harmony with it. Today's topic is love's unifying power. How is humankind's consciousness evolving toward global integration and interconnectedness? What evidence is there at the mystic heart of the world's spiritual traditions that beneath the illusion of separateness, humanity is actually one family? And what can the the philosophy and practice of yoga provide to help us move toward the unifying power of love? My guest today is Robert Atkinson, Ph.D. He's the author of nine books, including the one that we're talking about today, The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness, which was published earlier this year. He is an internationally acknowledged authority in life story interviewing and personal myth-making. He's a professor emeritus of cross-cultural human development and religious studies at the University of Southern Maine and the director of Story Commons. You can find out more about 
Bob at Robert Atkinson dot net and the last name is A T K I N S O N. So Robert Atkinson dot net. Welcome, Bob. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Laurel. It's great to be here with you. Yeah. So before we enter into our dialogue about love's unifying power, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Om. Let's start this yoga moment by using a tool that is always with us, our breath. We can use our breath to turn our attention within. So let's begin by taking a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Our breath can help us bring our attention and awareness to the present, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. We observe our breath, not trying to change it, just noticing its natural flow. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. With every inhale, we can dive within. And with every exhale, we can relax. Turning within, we open our hearts to the divine and to the divine love that is the essence of our being. This one reality called by many names is a support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, Right here and right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us, between us and all around us. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond sensation, pure existence being. We feel the peace that emanates from the essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field 
the emotional nature and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Once again, Robert Atkinson, welcome to the Yoga Hour, and congratulations on your new book, The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness, which was published earlier this year. So, Bob, in the past, you've written books to support others in writing their life stories, and this book is a departure uh, from that genre. How did you become interested in this topic and the evolution of consciousness? Yeah, thanks, Laurel. Uh, this uh, really goes back quite a ways, I mean, and, and I do see the uh, evolution of consciousness in the same way that I see the evolution of religion. They're, they're, they're interconnected and interdependent with each other. And so it goes back to my childhood, uh, even though I wasn't totally aware of it at the time. I think my interest in both of these uh, began as a, as a nine-year-old when I started observing my grandmother uh, when she lived with, with us for part of the year. She would have her daily practice of um, reading from the Bible in the upper room, and I just observed her and didn't really understand what that was all about, uh, of course, as a nine-year-old, um, before I really understood what what that kind of thing was all about but it was um, quite a few years later when I was in college that I became conscious of my interest in the evolution of consciousness when I majored in philosophy and this began a conscious quest to understand the world's religions as well as philosophy then a few years after that I began an academic career in which I did focus on life story work but my last two books have kind of brought me full circle back to this original interest in consciousness, spirituality, and religion. That's wonderful. So as you develop this interest in, the, as you mentioned, uh, consciousness and uh, spirituality and religion, well, you know, what leads you to write this book at this time? Yeah, that was a long process as well. And... Um, it's kind of a topic that had been simmering within me for, for many, many years. Uh, it was one that I was most drawn to, even though I had other things that uh, became a primary focus at the time. Uh, so actually this book had its seed in an essay that I wrote uh, and then published in the year 2000 called mm. Culture and the Evolution of Consciousness. It was mm. from that essay that I uh, began to flush out what became this book and uh, obviously it went through many drafts and and over the years and many earlier versions before this book finally came out this year. Mm. Yeah, the uh, gestation period uh, can be quite something, huh? So mm. in the book in the book you tell us that uh, and I quote we are living in the early phases of a spiritual revolution, a time of renewed spiritual energy that it is that is reforming all things. 
You also make the point, which I really appreciated, that in times of growth, uh, growth and renewal, there's often an overlap with times where things seem to be declining or even falling apart. So looking at our current time as a spiritual springtime was um, something that I really appreciated reading in the book, and it's a very hopeful vision. So what evidence do you see of the spiritual renewal? Mm, that's a great question. That's a, and a big one. But, um, it, when it comes to evidence, that's a kind of a tricky thing. I, and so I would think of um, any evidence of a spiritual renewal that it would have to be based on, on a spiritual perspective rather than something like an empirical perspective. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, it's important to uh, begin with, you know, to, to get at that question, I think it's important to begin with a big picture, long-term perspective, which tells us that it's difficult to deny that the world's major prophets, including Krishna, Abraham, Moses, Zoroaster, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, and Baha'u'llah, founder of the Baha'i Faith in the mid-19th century, they've each in their own way impacted the world, and together they've changed the course of of human life over the last Mm -hmm. 4,000 years, bringing about a leap of consciousness with each new epoch that they've initiated. Mm-hmm. So, with the latest one being only a century and three quarters ago, with the revelation of Baha'u'llah, we're, and, and in relation to how long each of those spiritual epics have lasted, anywhere from five to six to ten or twelve centuries, we really are only in the springtime of this current revelation, which is a which is why I see it as a time of spiritual renewal. Uh, we've, and in that past century and half or three quarters, we've seen a leap of consciousness from the previous norm of nation building to, to, the, to a new vision of a global community that is being mm-hmm. built by citizens of the world. Yes, certainly, and and um, one of the images that you mention in the book is the is the image of the Earth uh, that was taken uh, by the astronauts that were you know out in space for the first time, being able to see the Earth, you know, and see the wholeness of the Earth, um, and those photos are so breathtaking of seeing the earth in its wholeness and really i think contributed to our increasing ecological awareness which is something that um has changed remarkably since since i was since i was a, a girl um you know there's just so much more of an awareness you know now uh, eco- ecological awareness and really i think a feeling more uh, as you point out of this global citizenship the you know moving beyond Beyond, um, you know, nation building, um, to you know, more of a of a um, look at us as global citizens. Mm. Yeah, that's really the uh, the call and the need for our time that will um, sustain us, uh, not only on the planet that we're on, but as a as a species. Um, and so, I I think uh, one of the things I try to develop in the book is that the uh, the consciousness characterizing our spiritual epic that we most need to ensure comes into its summer fullness is the consciousness of the oneness of humanity. And that's a concept I think that is becoming more uh, understood and welcomed and uh, a lot of uh, 
uh, signs for people um, really wanting, needing, desiring to live with that consciousness. So our real challenge today as a, as a people, as a human family, is moving beyond the dualities that um, seem to separate us and toward the oneness that embraces all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this cycle of decline and renewal uh, that you point to, um, and you use lovely examples in the book. I mean, even, you know, in, in nature, the, you know, the turning of the seasons and the, you know, the, um, all of these, um, examples that we can point to of decline and renewal. So how is it helpful to be more aware of that, um, of that, of that process? Mm, yeah. Well, I think just the knowledge of, of, patterns and cycles like that uh, is, is very helpful and, and as long as we remember that we know that. And so um, again, I think the big picture, the view of the whole perspective is really important here. The more we remember and learn from the cycles and patterns of the past, the better we'll be able to understand what's happening in the present and where this is leading us to in the future. So mm-hmm. patterns like the cycle of the seasons, the rise and fall of civilizations, and the cycle of spiritual epics are all governed by one natural law, a process of maturation followed by decline and eventual renewal. So understanding that the entire universe obeys the same fundamental laws of nature, I think can help us recognize where we are in the cycle and that renewal is the ultimate outcome of the pattern, even when we're in the midst of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the way that you put it in the book. I enjoyed the statement that every story not only has a beginning, middle, and end, which is maybe the more familiar, but also a beginning muddle and resolution. So, because um, I, I personally totally have experienced that cycle in my own life, you know, <laughs> When, uh, mm-hmm. when there was a beginning, a, a muddle, you know, and then a resolution. So how does looking at the story this way help us maintain hope? Yeah, again, uh, again, it's a matter of uh, knowledge of that, because that really is a pattern um, that we can have knowledge of and, and draw from any time we may happen to be in, in any kind of any number of different kinds of muddles that we might find ourselves in. So, yeah, and, and it's a common pattern. All sacred stories share a pattern of bringing forth order from chaos or purpose from conflict. You know, whether it's the hero's journey, a rite of passage, or any other life transition, they're all designed to bring about and complete a process of transformation. Mm-hmm. So the muddle is necessary for the resolution to occur and only when that does happen is the process of transformation completed so again having this big picture view of the whole process helps us see the process as a whole and it keeps us keeps us i mean i think this may be the important thing it keeps us from getting lost in or overwhelmed by whatever the muddle of the day happens to be for us and when we know that and remember that that the muddle is a purposeful part of the process leading to transformation, it uh, it becomes a step toward um, re- towards the transformation that it's designed to bring about. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, so transformation 
has a real important role in our lives and in society as a whole too. And it's only and transformation only happens through the uh, experience of going through a muddle and ending up with the resolution from that. Right, and that idea of muddle as purposeful, I think, is such an important one when mm-hmm. we're in the mid when we're in the middle of the muddle, uh, because it's it's uncomfortable. It can be an uncomfortable place when you feel that you're not really. Perhaps that your feet aren't really on the ground, you're not grounded, you know, things are moving in unpredictable ways and there's been an upheaval and the, the new order hasn't, you know, righted itself yet. Uh, just knowing that that's, uh, that's the middle <laughs> and that in the cycle right. that that's a necessary part then of a resolution and bringing it to a new level of wholeness. That's right, right. Yeah, yeah the tendency is to get, is to get, um, lost in that uh, middle or muddled part and uh, the, the key I think is remembering that it's that it is a purposeful part meant to lead us to becoming even more of who we are and uh, mm-hmm. moving us further along in our own spiritual development Indeed, and and this is a time when um, that muddle period is a time when uh, ongoing spiritual practices such as meditation can be so helpful, help us again feel more the groundedness within, the connection to the you know to that uh, inner peace and uh, stillness that then can help us endure that muddle period and uh, come forward from a new place. Mm. Yeah, it's all, again, it's all about renewal on both the personal and the collective levels at the same time because they're, 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 in a way, they're separate processes, but they're so interconnected and so interdependent upon each other, the personal and the collective. Right, right. So this is a, a perhaps a good time for us to move to the break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with special guest Robert Atkinson, author of The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness. He's Professor Emeritus of Cross-Cultural Human Development and Religious Studies at the University of Southern Maine and Director of Story Commons. You can find out more about his work at robertatkinson.net. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. And when we come back from the break, we'll explore the transformation of consciousness. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org.
ever noticed that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. My guest today is Robert Atkinson, as I mentioned, the author of nine books, including The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness, which we're talking about today. So, Bob, that title, The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness, really says it all. Yoga philosophy holds that we are all manifestations of one, the one, supreme consciousness that is the source and substance of all that is. That divine consciousness, as I mentioned in the meditation, is uh, within us between us and all around us. So your book really talks about how humanity's consciousness is evolving toward the realization of the underlying unity. So when we talk about uh, evolution of consciousness um, and uh, global integration and interconnectedness, you give some examples in the book um, a bit about this. So um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think there are so many signs of where we're headed toward, and and uh, we could begin at a number of different places. Um, but just um, uh, after after the uh, end of World War Two, I mean, you know, we had the United Nations, and then right along with that, we had the the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And all of the uh, human rights issues that have come to the forefront since then, but at the, and at the same time, there's um, it, it's a it's a process of um, unfolding consciousness that has, as we know, it's it's kind of ups and downs and and um, steps forward and steps backward, too. Um, but again from the big picture perspective we can see i think much clearer that the overall movement is toward the recognition of our essential oneness and this is partly maybe mostly because of the uh, law of perpetual progress which is one of the key principles of the perennial philosophy mm-hmm. and this whole process is governed by the law of balance as well so when things get too far in one direction 
they'll move in the other direction for a while. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, we can see so many examples of that again throughout history, especially the last um, century, century and a half or so. But um, just one quick example from, from a very recent kind of example was uh, earlier this year in uh, January we had the we uh, had the inauguration of the new president which in some Mm -hmm. ways represented the apex of masculinity then the very next day we had the women's march on all seven Mm -hmm. continents at the same time where all the human rights issues of the past century or more were merged into one global movement and that's Mm -hmm. what I refer to in the book as uh, building a culture of oneness so even though there are a lot of other things going on at the same time, this is the process that's unfolding gradually, building a culture mm-hmm. of oneness. So uh, one of the things that I think there's a whole chapter in the book about um, about love and the unifying power of love. So how does the unifying power of love support this global transformation that we've been talking about? Yeah, that's another great question, and I think uh, maybe uh, for me the best way I can try to answer that is to just uh, refer to the second principle and and the second chapter of the book that you uh, because the the second principle the book is framed by is love is the underlying force of evolution. Mm-hmm. So I, I really present that in a way to to try to. Um, offer the possibility of considering that love is the underlying force that evolves personal and collective potential to its highest level possible. Mm -hmm. So when it's needed most, uh, love's power emerges to recreate the balance necessary for further progress. And um, I don't know how much detail we can go into here, but just if I may, I could read a short piece of the uh, of the second principle um, yeah go ahead so uh, even with flux the direction of evolution's arrow has been toward greater complexity resulting in wider circles of collective unity this flow has given life a trajectory that eventually creates order out of chaos and builds complex systems of cooperation and harmony out of simple and random interactions. Supporting this eternal process is the organic organizing force of love. Mm -hmm. Never have the effects of love's force been more apparent or important. Daily circumstances bring to light spontaneous expressions of empathy, altruistic care, compassion, reconciliation, and service to humanity. Love in all its forms and disguises still flourishes in a world wounded by hatred. Mm. As we consciously integrate this divine force into our own lives, we feel the inherent unifying force of love meant to evolve personal and collective potential to its highest level possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole chapter kind of supporting that or going into more detail about that. Right, exactly, and uh, you you know you make the point, which is definitely you know part of uh, yoga philosophy of of love being this inherent you know divine quality, and um, it's a soul quality you know at our deepest level um, that 
um, unconditional love, that, that, um, love that knows no bounds, that, um, that, um, as you said, reaches across and bridges, uh, bridges divides. And, and you did give quite a number of, of examples of, um, of people reaching out. Um, I think one of them was from the tsunami, um, where the number mm-hmm. of, the amount of donations was, um, was, you know, huge on a, on a global level as everyone mm-hmm. really, you know, reached out, uh, in this time of, of huge, uh, crisis, uh, where so many were killed, um, in, uh, what was that about maybe 10 years ago? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and then lots of other examples, you know, as well. Yeah. And I think as, as time moves on, I mean, we, we can't really, um, move backwards in some ways like that. Once we have an experience like that tsunami, which was so uh, powerful and impactful because partly because of the uh, uh, immediate spread of the news of it globally uh, through every means, uh, internet, otherwise, TV, otherwise, it's, it's a, it raises that whole experience raises the level of consciousness of people all around the world. And, and after one experience like that, it just continues to, the, the response to other um, events like that one continues to, to increase, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, once, once that, once a level like uh, was reached, like it was for the tsunami, it, uh, the only direction to go is, with greater and greater levels to be reached with each succeeding event like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the things that I that I really appreciated about the book um, was the way that you talk about opposition being really important in terms of transformation of consciousness. Um, so, you explain that we live in a time when the clash of opposing forces are bringing about that transformation of consciousness. This clash of opposing forces. Um, this is the opposition that I was mentioning. So, can you talk a little bit about how opposition functions as a catalyst for transformation? Yeah, that's. Um, I think that's again the the kind of principle that we can find in some form in in most or all of the world's spiritual traditions, um, and that. And, and the understanding of that concept and principle has has evolved over time as well. But um, uh, maybe again, since that is the uh, is really getting at the uh, fourth principle of the book, uh, maybe I could read just a bit from that principle of uh, um, to give to try to answer that question. Um, sure, so and, and the other thing. The other thing I was going to ask is if you could also talk mm-hmm. about, because I, I thought that the explanation of the, um, you know, of using the yin and the yang symbol was actually really, uh, mm-hmm. you know, really a great, you know, a great illustration of that. So, yes, mm-hmm. go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah well, that, okay, let's um, stay with that then maybe. the As a, we have so many of those kinds of symbols, and, and the yin-yang symbol is probably um, the clearest, because um, if it's, understood at all, it is known that the two represent opposites, but at the same time, they also represent the whole. And so it takes, it takes uh, in many different situations, settings, circumstances, and everything, it takes 
uh, opposites to to represent uh, or to make up the whole. And rather than seeing them just as opposites, and, and again, that's what the process of and the pattern of transformation is, is really all about, is moving beyond what appear to be opposing forces or opposites and again kind of stepping back and taking the big picture look at it at the at both of them to to be able to see that they are really representing two sides of the same whole uh, you know whether it's yin yang um masculine feminine any other set of uh, what you know opposites like that they really are um representing the whole and and they what happens is they often come in conflict with each other and we get um kind of uh, uh, overwhelmed by that conflict and and confused and everything by it and it leads you know it's led to everything from discrimination to all the way along the continuum to to war mm -hmm. just being being um left with that with the opposition itself and so it's only when we're able to get to the real you know uh, realize that they are um both necessary parts making up the same whole that we can mm -hmm. get beyond them and that they can become kind of merged into the greater whole that they are Right, and the role that that plays then in the transformation of consciousness is being able to see it from a higher level, from maybe more of a 10,000 you know, foot level. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned not only do they make up a whole, but then there's also the you know matter of degree, you know, of the of the of one force versus the other force. That it's a continuum, you know, one force versus the right. other force. Yeah, so I right. thought that was a really that was really a valuable um, way of looking at. You know, when we are meeting opposition in our lives, then uh, to see it as an opportunity for that transformation of consciousness, um, that that uh, uh, being able to take that step back, and perhaps with a you know one of the you know again yoga practices of um, dispassionate non-attachment of just mm -hmm. being able to take a step back and um, not be so caught, I think, in the um, you know in um, one or the other, you know, but being able to take a step back mm. and uh, perhaps being able to, you know, view it from that 10,000 foot level and then that can guide us in right action. Uh, then that can tell us, you know, the the uh, uh, next step that we need to take. Exactly, yeah, and that's the important thing for uh, to remember uh, for this process of transformation to be able to play itself out. Um, we need to remember that um, the opposition that we're facing that's right before us um, is there to create opportunity for us, opportunity for our own transformation, and and it's it's um, that opposition then is is essential in um, maintaining the law of balance in the universe as well as in our own personal lives, and mm -hmm. uh, and it's really necessary for ensuring cyclical process. Um, so it's um, that's again uh, such a key and and I the the book um, talks about that pattern of transformation mostly on the collective level because that's what the book is about but um, right. the pattern of transformation 
uh, is exactly the same on the personal level as it is on the collective level. So one of the metaphors, uh, actually not a metaphor, but an example that I use that, that comes from, from the mystic literature is the dark night of the soul, which we seem to kind of be in uh, now. But th so that's, that's as relevant on the um, collective level as it is on the personal. And we might be, you know, when we look at what is going on around us in the world today, we might think that we're in the midst of a, a dark night of the collective soul. But again, that's just um, the part of the process, the, the muddle that we need to, um, and that we will get ourselves through in one way or another to come out uh, the other end of that uh, process of transformation with the renewal. No, exactly. And I think that being able to then see it, two things we've talked about, so this muddle that you just mentioned, but then also how the cycles overlap. You know, that there is, there is, mm. when there's a spiritual springtime, yeah. that that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> at that same moment that everything is turning in the positive direction or everything's in bloom, you know, at that one time. There are still, you know, it's, it's an overlap, you know, period of time, which right. was what I, I felt yeah. so, so hopeful about in that it, you can, I guess, almost choose what to look at. You know, you can look at, um, mm. you know, this part of the, of everything that's really a muddle, or then you can look at the, the, uh, new sprouts, you know, the, 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 uh, blossoms that are bursting right. forth in this other area over here. Um, and that both of them, you know, together, um, both of them are together, which is part of the muddle, uh, but that then in the history's repeating cycles, which you really, you know, give an overview of the book in the book, um, that there is always this movement towards increasing oneness, increasing recognition of, of oneness, and that's really where we're going. Right. Yeah, that, that, that overlap is so important to remember and recognize. And, and as you were describing, I mean, that's perfect. That's, um, perfect and kind of exactly the way that I try to describe it in the book. It, it, it is a process in which there's a tremendous overlap. I mean, the, the end of one period doesn't end today and the next one begin tomorrow. There's a long, long period of overlap of, of the, of the decline and breakdown of the old. And at the same time that that's happening, there's also happening at, uh, uh, the, the buildup of the new. And so, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, it, it's really, it becomes, you know, it's, ma it's a matter of, uh, partly a matter of choice of which we choose to focus on. We can mm -hmm. focus on the parts that are decaying or, or not, and, and instead focus on the new um, flowers that are beginning to bloom in this in the springtime, and and so that that choice is really important too. I mean, I think that's a big piece of um, what uh, many people are experiencing um, today is is um, dealing with that choice and and even how to make that shift. From wanting to focus on the positive, hopeful aspects of what we see and what is going on today, versus remaining uh, kind of stuck in in the process of decay that is also happening. So it's um, yeah, it's a matter it's a matter of choice and a matter of will at the same time. We have right. to use our choice to will uh, ourselves to. Um, Stay focused on the on the hopeful, uh, positive side of the process that's happening. 
Right. And that's, I think, a really good segue into the next thing I wanted to mention, which is that um, one of the things you, you stated in the book is, and this is another quote, a renewed commitment to our own spirituality is the only thing that will give us security personally and collectively in these changing times which I thought was just beautiful. A renewed commitment to our own spirituality is the only thing that will give us security, both personally and collectively, in these changing times. So can you elaborate on that? How do you see the personal commitment to spirituality as leading to personal and collective security? Mm, thanks. Yeah, that's a, a big one, too. I mean, and, and so really what it comes down to, um, I mean, in my Mind, I think uh, a commitment to our own spirituality is really about uh, having some kind of a regular spiritual practice uh, that we um, that we participate in on, on some kind of a regular basis. Because that that regular spiritual practice is is the is one of the surest things that will that will lead to personal transformation, which is the only thing that will lead to and bring about collective transformation. So it's, again, Mm. a matter of how this um, personal commitment to our own spirituality is tied to the collective evolution of the whole, of of society as a whole. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's it's really about um, finding our own, you know, whatever spiritual practice works for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, yoga inc- encourages us, yoga philosophy encourages us to recognize our underlying wholeness and the divinity within us. But then, as you've mentioned, not just use that, you know, off in a cave somewhere, but to bring it forth into the world and to live from that realization. And as you've just really said, the book encourages this same message. So you know, given that there are, you know, people who are, will be listening to this podcast who are at varying points on the spiritual path, some at, just at the beginning. So where would you encourage someone to begin? Yeah, so that's always a, a big one. And, and, uh, it, 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 um, it may not need to be as tough as it may seem to some people who are already thinking about this because that, uh, you know, each person has to determine which practice or discipline fits their needs, their, their own style, their own interests the best. And, and, uh, there are so many possibilities to choose from, uh, out there, as we know, all the, all the world's uh, spiritual and religious traditions have their own forms of, of those practices and all have the goal of transcending duality and achieving oneness in one way or another. As mm-hmm. you said, um, we know about uh, yoga being one of the primary uh, means to, to do that, to move from, uh, to, to transcend duality and achieve oneness. Um, other other forms might include uh, the Buddhist concept of sadhana, wanting to realize uh, the paradox expressed in the union of opposites, um, mm. or the, again, the Chinese um, concept of the Tao, where the way is a method of, of uh, used to unite what is divided. There's so many of those. Um, and, and then also so many individual uh, practices um, you know, all the way from prayer, meditation, 
deepening in the sacred writings, uh, remembrance of the Creator, whirling dance, um, just up, just upholding the highest standards of, of uh, the, the highest ethical standards. Uh, there's so many forms of ritual that do this to ritual and initiation, like vision quest and and pilgrimage itself is another um, um, practice uh, that can become regular, even if it's not uh, a, you know a geographic thing. It can become a inner mental. Uh, experience. So there's so many ways, and and most of them, most of them, I think, really come down to um, both um, some form of remembrance, remembering where we mm-hmm. come from, remembering that we um, came from the source of union, the source of oneness, and maybe depending on the tradition, remembering that that's where we will return. But um, so it's all about also. I think all of those practices come down to seeing with the seeing with the inner eye or the eye of oneness. Mm-hmm. And, and another really important form of of regular practice is is just uh, service to others or, or mm-hmm. service to humanity. Yes. Yeah, so it's nice that you added that as well. Yeah, from my perspective and the, you know, perspective of Kriya Yoga, some kind of a practice of meditation, uh, or, um, spending time in that inner, uh, silence, um, which depending on your, you know, spiritual background has lots of different names. I know in, um, the Catholic tradition, there's a tradition of contemplative prayer, um, but some kind of practice, uh, that's regular. There's a regularity to it that, uh, allows us, as you said, to touch in our own inner, uh, place of stillness and peace and then begin to try and live from, uh, how, however far we can see um from that point of that interconnectedness just try and begin to see that and and yoga also includes a set of uh, ethical principles you know one of the big ones uh, being uh, harmlessness you know to live in a way um uh, the golden rule which uh, again is mentioned in your book of of uh um you know really trying to uh do unto others as we would have them uh do, you know do unto ourselves so do or we would want them to do unto mm-hmm. us. Um, so, you know, to, to live, you know, from that, in that point, from as much of that oneness as you can see to manifest that, you know, in, in your life. And that's why the regular practice of, of whatever your contemplative practice is in, in Kriya Yoga, uh, from Kriya Yoga perspective, meditation. In fact, uh, Lahiri Mahasaya was famous. One of, he's one of the um, teachers, the gurus of the Kriya Yoga lineage. And whenever a, someone would come to him, a seeker would come to him and they would ask his advice, uh, it was uh, meditate more. <laughs> Almost whatever mm-hmm. the person, almost mm-hmm. whatever the person came with, it's like meditate more. Yep. Uh, that was yep. that was his uh, that was his advice. So. Um, mm-hmm. As we come to the last uh, few minutes, uh, this hour has again flown by. Um, we've got about about one or two minutes. So, um, what what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to share with our listeners? Hmm. <laughs> well, uh, there's a lot of that 
in the book. <laughs> so I would uh, encourage people to take a look at the book. Uh, but um, and as we, we were talking about um, uh, having some kind of a regular practice, um, in addition to that, I mean, that that's so important. And uh, in many of the ways that you were describing, um, I guess what I would just say beyond having that any kind of regular practice, I, I would encourage uh, listeners to uh, take what I've called the Oneness Pledge, and that's on my website. Um, mm. You can see that it's kind of you know it's one of those pop-ups. But the Oneness Pledge is a simple statement. It it can become like a mantra that moves us further along the consciousness continuum toward a consciousness of oneness every time we say it. So again, that's another uh, very brief, simple form of regular practice. And and the pledge uh, is is this. Um, In all my thoughts and actions, I pledge to look on all things with the eye of oneness. Mm. So the more we say this, if we say it over, you know, uh, every day or on any kind of regular basis, the more we say this, the more our thoughts and actions will reflect oneness. So I would just, uh, and also in the book, there's a longer meditation called Living in Oneness. Uh, I think they both go together. There's the, the Oneness Pledge is, is the short version, and the Living in Oneness meditation in the book is, a, is, the, is the longer version. Well, perfect. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, and it's been a, a joy to share this yoga hour with our listeners. My guest today has been Robert Atkinson, PhD. He's the author of nine books, including The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness, which we've been discussing on today's show. He's an internationally acknowledged authority in life story interviewing and personal myth-making, as well as being Professor Emeritus of Cross-Cultural Human Development and Religious Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And he's also the director of Story Commons. You can find out more about Robert Atkinson at robertatkinson.net. And the last name is uh, pretty much how it sounds, A-T-K-I-N-S-O-N, robertatkinson.net. So thank you again, Bob, for joining us. It's been delightful to have you on the show. Thank you, Laura. It's been a pleasure to be with you. So join us next week, uh, May 11th, 2017, when Mark Nepo, New York Times bestselling author and poet, brings his healing story, insight, and presence to the Yoga Hour in a profound conversation with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien about the way under the way how to enter our experience so that it is transformative and helps us find our way through life's challenges. We can discover inner strength, deep resilience, and touch the heart of what really matters. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment Meditation Center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. For upcoming programs with Yogacharya O'Brien and more information about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, please visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. And thank you to the Yoga Hour team. Um, Regular host and founder, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, assistant producers, Nita Kenyon, Sean Smith, and Anne Hayes, and Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio. I look forward to being with you again. 
Until then, remember, let your inner light shine. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Confucius said that to be wrong is nothing unless you continue to remember it. If we can let our past remain in the past, we are not compelled to endlessly reenact it. If we seek to understand the situations in the other person's life and put forth the effort to walk a mile in his shoes, we may be less quick to take offense at what may be directed toward us. Understand that forgiving does not mean excusing, but dwelling on past slights or offenses can never help us grow. Unforgiveness always diminishes us. An African proverb says, the one who forgives ends the quarrel. You can be a powerful agent for healing. Let go of old hurts. Let the past be the past. Forgive. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. 